0: A doctor, a teacher, a clergyman. You sent pornographic pictures through the mail. Okay, that's a federal offense right there. You know I'm in trouble, and I know I'm in trouble. I tried to get into their heads and understand why. Pizza we have tonight, I, I, I wanna know who you are. I wanna know a little bit more about you first. Can I eat first? Sure, go ahead. Let's see if any of this sounds familiar while you enjoy your pizza are the predators I've caught. I'm Chris Hansen. The internet, social media, dating, and rideshare apps all make life so convenient and fun. Swiping to meet up with someone new has become part of our daily lives. It's also how many unsuspecting people have ended up dead. I'm Courtney Bell. And I'm Jillian Lee Garner, and we're the co-hosts of the true crime podcast, I Met My Murderer, online. In each episode, we share a true story of one such deadly online connection, and hopefully, how you can avoid it. We hear from all who were involved in the case. The investigators. They discovered a victim inside the house. Victims' family members. Right now, it doesn't feel like life can ever be joyful again. And sometimes, even the murderer themselves. You have to decide, okay, what are you willing to do here? Are you willing to kill these people? If you're a fan of true crime, then you have to listen to season two of I Met My Murderer online. On the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The name Rafi Ahmadi may not be incredibly familiar to you. And to be honest, it wasn't incredibly familiar to me. But this predator I've caught provides what I think a pretty fascinating insight into the psyche of someone who will get online, find a child, groom that child over a period of weeks, pretend like he acknowledges he's doing something wrong, illegal, harmful to a child, but he talks himself into justifying his actions. At the same time, he talks a child into normalizing an illegal sexual liaison between an adult and a child. Oftentimes in these cases, the adult, the predator in question, will talk about his childhood how he misses the days of middle school, how he was jealous of guys who could talk to the pretty girls. And then we'll make an admission that he didn't like the older guys who creeped up on the girls his age at the time, middle school or high school, that that was wrong, it was creepy. And then, say, now I'm one of those guys. As if to suggest that that somehow makes all this appropriate. Well, it's not. Rafi Ahmadi was 21 years old in January of 2006, when he surfaced in our To Catch a Predator investigation in Riverside, California. Riverside, as you may know, was our third investigation, but the very first investigation where we collaborated with law enforcement, in this case, the Riverside County Sheriff's Department and the prosecutor's office there. And in the span of three days or so, 51 guys showed up at that house in an upper-class subdivision, trying to have sex with a teenage boy or girl. We had a teacher. We had men who worked in Hollywood, in the film industry, in the music industry. We had repeat offenders, guys who had gone to prison before for sexually assaulting children. We had guys in their 70s. And we had 21-year-old Rafi Ahmadi, Rafi's screen name was Philosophy Guy 2003. And he was prowling in a chat room when he came across a perverted justice decoy posing as a 13-year-old girl named Chloe. Her screen name was Barbie Girl. G-U-R-L. This was a long time before the big Barbie movie that has caused such a fuss these days. And the chat spans as I mentioned earlier literally weeks. Starts in mid-December and continues right up until he shows up at our Stinghouse on January 7th. Hi. Says Philosophy Guy 2003. Hi says Barbie Girl back. How are ya? Bored, and you? Nothing to do. As soon as I tell someone I'm 13, they say bye. Just mean stuff like that. So right out of the gate, she acknowledges her age. LOL, he says. Good lord. Well, I don't blame them. Now, he's acknowledging that she's 13 and he doesn't blame these other people for ditching on the 13-year-old when they figure out her name. Yeah, it's bad, huh? She says. But only reason I'm not going to say bye is because I swear being 13, I feel like it was just yesterday. This is just minutes into the conversation. And he's already saying at the age of 21 that it feels like just yesterday he was 13. Well, Rafi, that's a big seven year gap. I don't think I've changed, LOL. LOL, she says. So what's your ASL? She asks. I'm so old. He says. If your parents knew they'd kill me, whatever. LOL, I'm 21. Man, I sure feel old, he says. I mean, I act like a kid and I still miss being in middle school. Still miss being in middle school? He works for... Sony Ericsson. Singular. At the time, he was one of those guys where he would go out and drive around the area and test phone signals. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? That sort of thing. Oh, I heard him all right. And believe you me, he heard me more on that shortly. You have a picture of yourself, he asks. Not yet. I'm waiting on a friend to scan a pic in. She keep telling me she do it, but... I don't got scanner. Or I would. Uh Aha, it's cool. What's your race? White. Can you talk on the phone? Or will your parents kill you? You want me to call you? She says. LOL. No, me call you. You can call me if you want, he says. This chatter goes on for a long time, and he meanders around the point in terms of what his real motivation is. Call me now, he says. I can't, dude, she's still awake. Talking about her mother, who's going to be out of town soon. She has already told him that her father is dead. He expressed his sorrow. He talks about having dated before, but nothing's really worked out. So apparently now he's going to fish in younger waters. They speak again a few days later and then nothing online until December 28th. Hi. How are you? Good and you? I'm fine. Just tired. hee hee. Where in LA are you again? Riverside and you? Oh, in Anaheim, he says, Garden Grove. She tells him her name is Chloe. Now things are going to get a bit more personal. Are you into romantic stuff? Like boyfriend, she says? No, just romance. Are you a girly girl or a tomboyish? Or what? Kind of both, lol. I like wrestling and stuff. I like makeup and junk. Maybe you'll be a lesbian, he says. No way, shut up, he he. They engage in. Banter that is really kind of childish. But then he starts turning up the romance. Come here, my sweet girl. Kiss me then, he says. You going to be able to meet me? She plays hard to get. This is something that many of the decoys at Perverted Justice will do from time to time, and it makes sense because, look, they often will give the potential predator, the opportunity to bail. So by the time they do arrive, if they do arrive, it shows that there truly is intent. This continues on and off until January 3rd, where there's a lengthier conversation and he has finally seen a picture of her. And now he's really engaged. He explains that his pictures show that he's a little bit overweight, short, and a very hairy fellow. And then he wants to know, have you kissed a guy before? Why, you want to kiss me, she says. LOL. No, you're too tiny. That's wrong, he says. Then why it matter if I kiss anyone before? LOL. Just tell me, you bum, he says. Why? You don't want to kiss me, then? You don't need to know. LOL. I'll kiss you, he says, if you want me to. And again, he starts down this road where I'll do this, but only if you want me to, as if that makes it somewhat acceptable, which it is not. Do you masturbate? He says, LOL. Just curious. Answer. I don't gotta. I can play your games, LOL, he 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 says. Come on now. I masturbate, LOL. He's talking to a 13-year-old girl. Bwah, he says, as if he kissed her. Come here and cuddle with me. LOL, are you ever real? I'm real right now, hugs. Trust me sometimes, okay? I just like to have fun, but right now I'm for real. He's playing psychological games with a 13-year-old child. I love you, babe. You're so funny, he, he, he says. Then he wants to know, how come you have no webcam? I had one before. It came with a pewter, meaning computer, but my mom's girlfriend got drunk, threw it at me and mom, and hit a wall and broke in lots of pieces. LOL, that sucks, he says. No, duh, says the decoy. He says he's watching TV. You want to lay in bed with me, he says. My mom and girlfriend sleep on a waterbed, she says, which is cool. Sleepover? Cool. And maybe sex, he wants to know? If you want. Oh my god, really? Yeah. Would you wanna, he says? Wait, are you serious or joking around? Serious, dummy. Wow. Would you wanna, he wants to know? LOL, maybe. More about this predator I've caught... In a moment. Then he's back to wanting to know if she masturbates. Why do it matter? She asks. Huh? Come on, tell me. Bah. Come on. Spit it out. It turns me on, he says. Jeez. Tell me something he wants to know. Do you honestly like me? Do you find me attractive? Durr, yeah, for sure, she says. I wouldn't keep chatting with you if I didn't, and then he's back to wanting her to be 18. He's playing games, saying that when she is 18, they can hang out and maybe have sex. You will one day be 18, smiley face, and that day, if you still know me, and we still know each other, and we still like each other, that will be a wonderful day. Now, you would think at that point he's come to his senses. He's realized this is wrong. And he would stop. And he would have avoided coming face-to-face with me, coming face-to-face with the Riverside County Sheriff's Department, and getting locked up and facing felony charges. But no, that's not what he does. He's already map-quested and figured out that the girl's house is much closer than he had originally thought, about 90 minutes away. "'I love you, Chloe,' he says. "Aw, you're so sweet,' she says. "'You're such a cute gal,' he says. "'You're my baby, you know that?' "'Really?' "'Mm-hmm.' "'I'm in my undies,' he says. "'Tighty-whities.' "'You're cute,' she says. "'No, I'm hairy.' He's fixated on the fact that he's got a lot of body hair. Mwah, my love. That whole kissy thing he does. Gotta get to bed. You have a good night, okay? Sweet dreams, Chloe. Then there's more talk about... coming over. Staying over. He's trying to be tricky and careful about the discussion of sex, but... he... says that if she's okay with it, he would want to have sex with her. I mean, it's taken a long time in the chat to get to this point, but he does cross that threshold. There's more talk about the age difference and that down the road, it won't be that big of a deal. It's only seven years, but it's a big seven years, Rafi, between 21 and 13. So he gets in his car Even after he discusses with her that his family is religious, his parents don't know that he's doing this, he knows it's wrong. He knows he could get into big trouble. In spite of all that, he comes over. Maybe you can cuddle and sleep with me. There's talk about movies how long the mom is going to be gone. And here he comes. He's driven some 90 minutes. Oh, and we can hear him now because he's parked his car, walked up the sidewalk of our Stinghouse in Riverside County, and now he's coming into the back sliding glass door And it's really kind of creepy. It's almost like... I don't know why we never nicknamed him the Fonz because he comes in and says, Hey, hey, hey. I don't want to have bad breath, you know? Hey. Hey. Come here. Can I see you? Hey, come here. Can I see you? Now, this is Del Harvey posing as the girl. And he can't see her. She's around the corner. This is before we had on-site decoys pretending to be the actual girl. She has said that she's got to go brush her teeth because she didn't want to have bad breath before she met her 21-year-old date. He's wearing a leather jacket. And he wants to see this girl is for real. Just one second. I got finished brushing my teeth. It's still a Hey. Hey, I'm going to leave. He's got a bag with some food and perhaps some other things. He's getting a little nervous. He wants to see this girl. Hey, hey, I'm going to leave. That's my cue to come in and have my discussion with Rafi Madi. Because he was going to bolt. I was convinced. Now, this video was never seen on NBC, on Dateline to Catch a Predator. And part of the reason is because we had 51 guys, as I mentioned, show up in this particular investigation. And in those days, we didn't do individual segments on one particular guy. We ultimately did versions like that on MSNBC. call them Predator Raw or Predator Uncut. So given the fact that all the material we got in Riverside was going to be put into two hours of Dateline television, not everybody made the movie. And there were so many other cases that, for whatever reasons, editorially, Rafi didn't make it. But it's still a fascinating case to me. And we have the video for you and the audio for you now. I'm going to leave. Hey, don't you do that. In fact, why don't you have a seat right there, please? If what you've heard shocks you so far, join us back in a moment. No, please have a seat right there. All right. So I just have a seat. seat. (laughs) He complies with my request for him to have a seat. I ask him to take his hands out of his pocket, and I also ask him what's in the bag. He says food. What's in the? uh, What's the name of the bag? Food. Food. What you doing here? I don't know. I, I meet a friend. A friend. He's very nervous. He has no idea who I am. Cop, dad, uncle. He hasn't figured out he's on television yet. Our hidden cameras are recording his every word. I'm here to see a friend, he says, Chloe. And who's your friend? Chloe? Chloe. And who are you? "Ruffy. Ruffy." Now he's going to tell me all about his job. Because in his mind, the more he talks about what he does for a living, the less he has to talk about what he's doing then and there at this house. At night. Where as far as he knows... A 13-year-old girl is home alone and open to the idea of sex with an adult. And Raffi, how old are you? I'm 21, sir. 21. And what do you do for a living? Um, I'm a drive-test engineer. A drive-test engineer? Yes, sir. And where do you work? Um, I work in Anaheim. In Anaheim? Or what company? Um, it's uh, for, um... The name? Sorry, Eric Erickson Erickson. Yeah. And what do you do for that? Um, I just drive around with that signal was singular. And what was your plan here? I was just going to see Chloe. She, she said that she wanted, she said she was alone or something. And I, I just said, I was going to watch a movie and that's it. I was going to do nothing. And this is the part where he blames the girl. She was alone. We were just going to watch a movie. She wanted me to come over as if that was going to make it okay. I wasn't planning on doing anything. I asked him how old Chloe is. And how old uh, did you believe Chloe is? She said she was like 14 or 13, but... 13? I'm real sorry. I I didn't, I wasn't gonna do nothing, I swear to God. Now you know how this looks. I know, I'm real sorry. He's now on the verge of tears. Reality is hitting him straight in the face. If you're so sorry, then why did you do Because I, I didn't know, I wasn't, I didn't expect any of this. Why? He says he didn't expect any of this. Which indicates to me pretty clearly that if we had not been there, and a 13-year-old girl, open to the idea of sex, was in fact there, there would have been a sexual assault. Karen So, what would have happened had I not been here and had ploided? I don't know, sir. I'm real sorry. You don't know. You don't know what would have happened. No, I wouldn't have done nothing, though. I would have never, never, I told her, too, on the phone. I said, I'm not going to do nothing, okay? If he wasn't going to do anything, then why is he so sorry? He's sorry because he got caught. That's why he's sorry. And then I confront him with some of what he said online. You say to her, "I swear, being thirteen, I feel like it was just yesterday. I don't think I've changed." I'm real sorry, sir. I'm so old. If your parents knew, they'd kill me. I act like a kid, and I still miss being in middle school. Middle school was so fun. I'm real sorry, sir. Then you say, "I always hated the guys who would talk to young girls, and now look at me. I'm just an old bird. Shame on me." I'm, I'm, but I, that's not what I meant, though. I meant. That's not what I meant, sir. That's not what I meant. Well, what did you mean, Rafi? I think we know what he meant. And now he's worried about what's going to happen to him. Not what could have happened to a 13-year-old girl. He's sorry. He's sorry for himself. So what's going to happen to me, sir? What do you think should happen to you, Rafi? Just give me one more chance. I swear to God, I'm never going to do anything. I swear to God. I swear to God, I'm going to throw away everything. Throw away what? Whatever I have, I'm I'm not, I'm not, is this being recorded or anything? Yes, Yes, it is. Is this being recorded or anything? I don't remember if something happened in the Stinghouse that would prompt him to ask that question. In other words, was there movement? Did he see a member of my crew? Did he start to recognize me? This was the first investigation, the one in Riverside, where guys had seen the previous episodes. We had done a sting in Bethpage, Long Island. We had done a sting outside of Washington, DC in Herndon, Virginia, and they had gotten a lot of attention. So guys were starting to recognize the scenario. But I wasn't planning on doing anything, sir. But how am I supposed to believe that? You see how it starts. I can't believe that he wants to leave. He knows he's being recorded. But now I have to tell him so he knows for sure who I am. Well, there's one thing you need to know before you leave. And that is I'm Chris Hansen with Dateline NBC. And we're doing a story on a computer uh, No, please. No, please. Covers his face. Off he goes. We dug pretty deeply into Rafi's background and found somewhat of a trail on social media. First, you need to know that Rafi fought the charges associated in this case for a couple of years. Finally, in around 2008, he pleads guilty. He gets sentenced to 30 days in jail and has to register as a sex offender for life he has a couple of online posts later in 2008 where he references past troubles and challenges in his life but says he's gotten married and he's studying electrical engineering about 10 years later he starts a gofundme because his wife has tragically died in las vegas after a car wreck and he wants to raise money for her funeral and to be able to send her remains back to her homeland of Afghanistan which apparently he does. At some point after that we found court records in San Diego where he wanted to change his name legally and we've seen other predators I've caught tried to do this. In fact, Jeff Sokol, who was caught and arrested in October of 2015 during our sting in Fairfield, Connecticut, went to court to try to change his name because of all the attention that he got from being caught in the sting. He's the one who traveled from the Boston area to Connecticut, brought a pepperoni pizza for a 13 year old girl. He also brought a marriage contract for that girl thinking it would somehow protect him from criminal prosecution. It did not. One of the most memorable predator moments, Jeff Sokol and the pizza eating it as I interview him, offering it up. Now in Jeff Sokol's case, a judge not only denied his petition to change his name, he denied Sokol's request to seal the court records of the attempt to change his name, so he's still Jeff Sokol. In the case of Rafi Mahdi, we think that the court allowed him to change his name because we can't find any record of the existence of a Rafi Mahdi, his age from that point on. No online activity, no touches with the law, Nothing, which made it impossible for me to reach out to Rafi to talk to him about our encounter in January of 2006. Rafi, if you hear this or whatever your legal name is now, reach out. I'd like to talk to you. More of our story in a moment. As always, I like to hear from you this week's question comes from rob in scottsdale arizona hey what's up chris rob here from scottsdale arizona i'm a big fan of all the work you do and as a former journalist myself i really applaud the journalistic merit of your interviews and your reporting on this really important social problem so my question today concerns the legality of your interviews with the alleged predators obviously, once a suspect is apprehended by police, they're read their Miranda rights and they can request an attorney and or plead the fifth. However, since you confront these potential predators before they're arrested, are your interviews with the predators admissible in court? And if so, has there ever been a case where one of your interviews was entered as evidence in a criminal proceeding? Again, keep up all the great work that you and the rest of the team do in exposing these perverts and bringing them to justice. And if you're ever in Scottsdale, first round's on me, Chris. Rob, that's a great question and thanks for the offer in Scottsdale. We actually have a couple different stories going on there now for True Blue. Yes, in some cases, depending on the jurisdiction, I am able to interview the predator before he's read his rights and before detectives do an extensive interview. Sometimes in Ohio, for instance, in Florida, the protocol of the law enforcement agency dictates that detectives approach him first, give him his rights, have an initial briefing, and then I get a chance to sit down for a detailed interview. It works well both ways. But in terms of your question, Rob, as to whether or not any of my interviews have been used in a court of law for a conviction, I don't think any of them has ever been used at a trial that I'm aware of. I know that defense lawyers and prosecutors have subpoenaed video of our investigations. I know that they have had access to transcripts of both the online conversations and of my interviews. And I know they've received video copies of my interviews in the Stinghouse. I think those have been used to get a case to a certain point where there's been a plea bargain, but I am unaware of an actual trial where the interview was used. It might have happened and I'm just not aware of it, but I usually know our lawyers let me know that stuff. So yes, it's powerful evidence. It certainly gets inside the mind of a predator. It helps us to understand how the mind of a predator works. I think when we can do that, we can better protect children and other potential victims online. Thank you, Rob. Enjoy Scottsdale, it's a cool place. As always, you can find me on social media, Instagram, official Chris Hansen, Twitter, at Chris Hansen. Cameo is the holidays approach. TikTok, have a seat with Chris Hansen. And on my streaming crime network, True Blue, where we have new predator investigations, we call them Takedown with Chris Hansen. And something I just, did in the last week, which will be on True Blue shortly, and we'll have portions of this here on the podcast. For the first time in 20 years of investigating predators doing sting operations like this, one of the predators I've caught has actually agreed and has sit down with me for an extensive no limits interview where he is absolutely and brutally honest about the events that led him to our Stinghouse and him facing criminal charges. This is the doctor, the 61-year-old doctor who surfaced in one of our investigations in Genesee County, Michigan, Dr. Jaswal. I just finished this interview in the last couple of days. We're putting it together now. It is compelling, eye-opening, shocking, and as I said, brutally honest. You have to see this, and you have to hear it. More on that in the next episode of Predators I've Caught with Chris Hansen. As always, you can reach me here at chris at predatorpodcast.com. I'll be watching and listening. A at Media Production.